Thanks for listening to the Life Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Mark Borg. For any other messages or other resources, please visit us at lcboise.com. Let's read over here our, our text, Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Everybody say that phrase. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now, if you stop right there for a moment, you, uh, we recognize here what the Lord is telling uh, these disciples and, t- and saying to Peter uh, that he's building his church. He's telling them what he's going to build it upon. Now, just a quick clarification. Maybe some of you have been Catholic in your life, and you would interpret that from that perspective as saying that the Lord is telling Peter, I'm going to build the church on you. And that's how they came up with the Pope system, right? And they would say, Peter was the first Pope, and the Lord built the church on Peter. Uh, That's not what that means, by the way. Uh, It's just not. If you look at the Greek, you see it's different words. Peter means rock, but it's not the same word as uh, as upon this rock. It's a different word there. And uh, and you can see through other scriptures that the church is built on Jesus. He is the chief cornerstone, not Peter. Okay, thank God for Peter. He's a good guy. He walks on water, huh? And uh, uh, but even Paul rebuked Peter openly. He wouldn't certainly do that to the Pope. Just a thought. Uh, but at the same time, we see uh, that, that Jesus is what the church is built on. Really, you could extrapolate even further there and see that uh, the church is built on the revelation of who Jesus is, that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Uh, not just Jesus, an historical figure, not just Jesus, the uh, son of Joseph and Mary, uh, from a human perspective, you know what I'm talking about, but he is the anointed one. And that's what Peter saw. He, he knew this, and Jesus pointed it out. He said, you didn't get that by figuring it out, did you? You didn't get that from people. You didn't get it from flesh and blood. He said, the Father in heaven revealed this to you, who I am. And how many know it's important that we know personally who he is? It's a revelation that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He went on to say in verse 19, And I will give you the keys of, to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen. And and so the the church then that Jesus is building, we shared some of this with you last week, the church, uh, this is uh, the people of God. Uh, It is the gathering of the Lord's people. The Greek word ecclesia means means the called out ones. Jesus said, I'm going to build my called out ones. I'm going to build a gathering of people, those who will come together for my purposes, for the kingdom of God, to proclaim my name. I'm gathering people to that end. That is what I'm building. And so he's not just putting up buildings, but he is building us. We are living stones in this building. Uh, He's building a spiritual house. And it is our gathering that he is focused on, and we belong to Jesus. Amen. 
And the good news about this is we win. Yeah. He said, because again, the building's not winning. But the people are going to win. Those who have been built by the Lord, they have gathered together in His name. When we do that, we succeed. We win. The devil has no power, authority, or no opportunity to run roughshod over us. We are just too strong. Yeah. Not to our credit, but to the Lord's credit. He is the head of the church. And, 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 and so we always win. We triumph. I like 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. It reads, Now thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. How often does he lead us into triumph? Always. Now how about the rest of you? Anybody else here? This participation service? Come on. How often does he lead us into triumph? Always. Always. You should say that about yourself. Why don't you say it with me? Say, I I always always win. I mean, that should be your your faith confession on a regular basis. You're a part of the winning team. You're a part of God's winning plan. If you've been run over, you've been beat up, you've been run over by life, get on the right team. Because in this house, we win. In this family, we win. We are called out by the Lord Himself, called to be together, and He is creating in us something that cannot be beat by hell. Or the gates of hell, the authorities of hell. Amen. And, and so when we say us, you know, us, we always try. You know, New Testament uses language, we, us. Who is that? Well, that's not everybody. It's an, a, a specific identifiable group. It's not everybody who's religious. It's not everybody who goes to a building on Sunday morning. But who is it? Well, it is the called out ones. Those who have heard his voice, those who have recognized, this is right, those who have recognized Jesus, man, he is who he said he was. He did what he said he did. You've made him the Lord and Savior of your life. You've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. And so, here's the deal. This thing we're talking about, that the Lord said, I will build this gathering of people who come together for my purpose in my name, uh, it's kind of under attack. Now, I don't mean it, uh, let, me, let me clarify. It's always been under attack. I understand that. People have always been against believers. There's always been persecution. There is persecution very strong in different parts of the world today and, and even stronger building, unfortunately, in our country. But uh, when I say it's under, ta- under attack, sometimes it's subtle because you have individuals uh, that will, the, the attack is obvious to people around them, meaning they're, they're living in unforgiveness or offense or something like that. And they say, I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm leaving. I'm, I'm going to separate from that. That's usually easy to see, easy to read, easy to understand. But sometimes there's a more subtle approach. And it comes through just thoughts. And what those thoughts are is, I don't need this very much. It's not so important. And other things displace the priority of the church in believers' minds. And it's not like they're mad. It's not like they're, man, I'm upset. I just can't. I just can't. And not like they're, you know, fighting against things. It's just more subtle. It's more of a, I don't know, kind of like a, a backsliding, if you will. They might, they would maybe take offense to that. Say, I'm not backsliding. I love the Lord. But, uh, but people, things happen slowly. How many know no one? You don't, you don't turn away from the Lord in a second. It's usually very subtle. 
It's thoughts that you've been meditating on. It's little things you've been letting get under, get under your skin. It's, it's just things of the world that creep in. It's priorities get shifted, adjusted. And before you know it, you're not in a place you used to be. See, that happens slowly, suddenly. And even this idea, and I'm going to counteract this. I'm going to swing back around to this in a little bit. This idea that, that the gathering of God's people is less important um, it's creeping into the lives of many believers. I mean, they're saved, but they're not getting this revelation or it's been watered down to the point where the effectiveness of God's plan and the Lord's idea is, is, is not working in them personally. Together, we win. But I can't say that for every individual unless they say it, unless they agree, unless they, they recognize this work of God. Now, uh, the church... As defined by the Lord, again, the ecclesia, the, the Greek word, uh, is both universal and it is local. All right? We often use the phrase, the local church. Life church is a local church, meaning we are not the church. We are not the full picture or encompassing of all that God is doing in the earth. No, we are a local church church. The universal church is actually in heaven and on earth. All right. But for those of us who are on earth, the Lord, this is his plan. This is his desire. What we are doing here is totally of God. All right. And he's doing it in a bunch of places. But uh, it is of God that people would get together in what we call the local church. I say we call it that because I don't see that, that verbiage just like that in scripture, but we do see it pointed to. For example, let me read a couple verses to you. In in Acts chapter 11, verse 22, it reads, Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. The church where? Well, not all the church, but the church there. So what was that specific, defined group of the ecclesia? All right? Other verses as you go through Acts 13.1. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Church where? Everybody? No. The church there at Antioch. Well, was, so what could we call that? We wouldn't call that all of the church. We would call that a local church, a local assembly, local gathering. We see it in, in other places, Acts 14, 23, when they had appointed elders in every church. So they're identifying different local churches all around that area. Verse 27, it reads, When they had come together... Or when they had come and gathered the church together, well, that was a particular gathering of the church in that area. So everybody see the importance? Can, can we acknowledge and recognize that when Jesus said, I will build my church, that he is not simply saying, I will build a universal gathering. He is saying, I'm going to do it in different places around the planet. And that is of Him. Okay? Everybody with me? I know this may, might seem simplistic, but I, what I want to do is counteract the thinking that goes crosswise that says it's less important or unimportant or not something that really matters in the long term. No, this is what God is involved with now. It's what He is doing today. Okay? If I want... To be involved with Him, if I want to understand the mysteries of, of the kingdom, 
then I need to be on the same page with the Lord. Uh, has anybody ever eaten at In-N-Out Burger? Come on, raise your hand if you've eaten at In-N-Out. Well, that's a lot of people, and we don't even have them here. <laughs> to our shame. <laughs> uh, obviously, they're, they don't, they're mostly in California, but in a few other states. Uh, have you ever noticed on the menu, those of you who have eaten at In-N-Out, and those of you who haven't, you know, Sorry. Uh, there's hope. Uh, they have a, on their menu, it's very simple. There's hardly anything on it. Burgers, fries, soft drinks, shakes. I think that's it. That's all. But did you know, some of you know this because you're experts, you're, you're experienced. They have over 80 secret menu items. Secret. They're not on the menu. But you have to know about it in order to get them. I mean, the average Joe, the average Idaho Joe, (laughs) might walk into In-N-Out and think there's only a few choices. But there's a lot more than what's there. So how would you know? You have to ask. You have to have some inside information. But they have all these secret menu items that you can order things, you know, different way. And they got these animal style. And they got, you know, you can order fries all kinds of different ways and with different things on them. And and there's a whole slew of them. Yeah. I think the average person might walk into and even join, be a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they don't really know all that's there. There's a whole bunch that's available to them, but they need to ask. They need to dig a little bit deeper. And I'm telling you, there's a whole lot that God is doing even in a local church that if people don't understand, they don't ask, they don't seek and inquire, they will miss out on a ton that is available to them through what God, the Lord Jesus, is building. Amen. And so I think we should go deeper. I think we should dig. I think we should look at some of this. A couple real important things I see in this scripture is uh, the church. I've said this already, but this is, number one, what Jesus is building. Not man is building. Not man's idea. Jesus is building. If I am living for Jesus and he is building the church, but I am not involved in building the church then I'm not involved with Jesus. Oh, I just love the Lord, but it's just His people I can't stand. You know, it's just... uh, No, 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 no. No, that's not how that works. If His focus is on building the church, but my focus is not on building the church, then I'm doing something different than He is. I'm involved in something else. I don't know what it is, but it's not what the Lord is involved with. Hallelujah. And so I can't be involved with Him, really. I can't walk with Him if I'm not involved with what He's involved with. And I kind of want to pause. I want to just, you know, I think we should think about this. Because I live my life. I live for the Lord. I live my life for the Lord every single day. Do you? What are you doing? 
What's the focus? Where's your energy going? We know where his is going. We know what his focus is. We know what his doing. What are you doing? And by the way, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Look at Luke chapter 14. Luke, the 14th chapter. See, seeking first the kingdom then, the kingdom of God, means we make important to us what is important to him. I cannot say I'm seeking first the kingdom of God if he's doing something different than I'm doing. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus told a story. man came asking him, verse 15, uh, Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground, and I must go see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. When the master heard of the master of the house being angry, said to the, his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And you keep reading, and they, he did that. They didn't have enough. There were still spots. He said, go and get more. The highways and the byways, bring them in. And he said, for those who were first invited, they're going to have, they're not gonna have anything, any part of this. And what I see here is, is that the Lord takes very seriously an invitation. The fact that a person would be invited, because Jesus is telling this story, but it's obviously representing the kingdom. That a person would be invited to be a part of something eternal. Something that God himself is involved in. Something that the Lord Jesus is building. That a person would receive an invitation. You come. I've got a place for you. I've got a spot for you. I've got something for you to do. There's something I have in store for you. I mean, that we would receive an invitation from God Almighty to be involved in this. It's a big deal. I mean, we should be highly honored, highly thankful, very respectful to Him and say, Wow, yes, I'll be there. But too often, what it means to Him, it doesn't mean to us. And so, you know, I got dirt. I got to go be with my dirt. You know, I got animals I got they need tested I'm married I, I mean I, what are you thinking I can't come if I'm married and so people find various excuses that's what that's the word he used excuses to say why they won't give themselves to and pour their lives into what God is doing I think that's a problem and I know sometimes individuals are getting beat up in life and tough things are happening and, you know, but how many times do people want the experience and the blessing of those who are part of something that hell cannot overcome without being a part of that? And Jesus said it. The gates of hell will not prevail against this, this thing I'm building. But if we're on the outside of that thing that he is building... 
do the gates of hell prevail against us? I want you to consider this. I mean, this is what Jesus is building. I'm getting this from that verse we read. But secondly, it says that hell will not overcome. Hell will not prevail against it. If hell is prevailing against me in any way, that ought to make me think, well, am I a part of the gathering? Am I included in what the Lord is building? Or am I on the outside and therefore vulnerable to attack? Because the very statement he made here is hell will not prevail against the gates of hell. Well, the implication is that the gates of hell will prevail against some things. If that weren't the case, you wouldn't make that statement. You would just say, period. Or if anyone asked about the gates of hell, the authorities of hell, he would say, well, they don't prevail against anything. No, but they do prevail against some things. Sometimes the enemy wins. Can we say that? It's true. Sometimes he takes advantage of people. Sometimes he gets a foothold in individuals' lives. But he's saying, this thing I'm building, it won't work. It won't work. And I can tell you this, that what the Lord is building, we are always going to come out on top. We are always going to win. Now, I can't say that for every individual. I don't know, but I, I can see this, that when someone is a part of the church, not a part of a religion, not just a part of man's idea, but something the Lord Jesus himself is building, then you're in a very good position to be successful, to win, to have victory in life, and to not be run roughshod over. Hallelujah. And so, um, I think our lives should be wrapped up in something that cannot lose. That just seems smart to me. Uh, And any temptation to separate, any temptation to diminish it, any thought that would would be opposite of that, we should, red flags should go up all over the place. This is a setup. This is a setup. Setup. Because you can't lose when you're there, but you get on the outside, you're vulnerable for attack. Hallelujah. And so you know this, the the devil works nonstop to try to divide, to try to separate the church. Wants to get people out, not in. What's the reason for that? Well, because when we are together, we are very, very powerful. He overheard Jesus. When we are, when we, when we're together, that's the definition. Say, I'm a part of the church. That means you gather. That's the definition. It is the assembly. It is the getting together. Um, And so, um, when we're together, we're powerful. We're unstoppable. When we're together, what happens? Man, we, I tell you, all heaven breaks loose. There's a lot of junk outside, but when we're together, that's that's when things happen. Now, how many believers are even in our own valley, just here local? You know, this place without an in and out. Uh, everybody know where we are now? How many believers are outside of the building of the church? I mean believers. I'm not taking away their salvation. They're part of the universal church, but they're not a part of the local church. And so they are vulnerable to attack. They're vulnerable to the gates of hell. 
they are, they're in a place where they potentially could be overcome. And this is this diminishing that's happening. I, I see two ditches that we have an opportunity to get into here. One is, is the ditch of magnifying and only discussing a person's personal relationship with the Lord. Okay, notice ditch, notice only. That means it's all about your personal relationship with the Lord to the exclusion of the gathering. The other ditch people fall into is, is when their personal relationship with the Lord only happens when they are in a gathering. That means the only time they worship the Lord, only time they, they're hearing from heaven, the only time they're you know, hearing, reading His Word and, and serving God and doing things for the kingdom is Sunday morning. And that's kind of weird. I mean, that's totally a ditch. The Lord never intended for us to be a once a week, you know, and the rest, rest of the week we live like the world, right? I want to stay in the middle of the road. I want to understand what the Lord intended. I want to stay out of these ditches. Uh, you might be familiar with this verse. It's Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. It reads, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. That, that means... That means the habit of some. But exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. He said, closer you get to the end, closer you get to the day of the Lord, he said, you need to get together more. Notice, th- this, is, this is Bible here. The closer you get, what do, what do you do? Get together more. Even in their day, when this was written, people had the habit. It, they'd slip up and they'd fall into this trap, fall into this habit of getting together less. So I'm not mad at anybody. Everything's fine. Everything's good. I'm just going to do all of this. He said, watch out for that. He said, the closer you get, you need to get together more often. Now, now watch. Here is the trend in our culture. It's not getting together more. It is getting together less. And I'm not talking about the world. We're trying to, re- we're trying to reach the world. And if you don't know the Lord yet, we're going to give you an opportunity to know Him But I'm talking about believers. The trend in our culture is not to gather more frequently. It is to gather less frequently. I just can't see how that's a good idea. Now you might say, well, of course you can't. You're the pastor. You want everybody to be here. Yes, I know. So true. But I'm getting this from the Word. And who else is going to say this? Okay, people have thoughts. Just go here. It doesn't mean you're, you know, it's just all these thoughts. It doesn't mean you don't love the Lord. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're, you know, not committed to the Lord. Just little subtle thoughts. But what happens over time is the opposite of that verse. The opposite. I don't see how we succeed by doing the opposite of this. I, I don't see how life is better doing the opposite. When we exalt our own wisdom and our own thoughts and our own plans above the Lord, and we've got dirt, and we've got animals, and we got married, and I, I've got stuff to do. But I still love the Lord. Maybe you do love the Lord, but is that smart? Are we following the Spirit of God? Would He lead us to disconnect more frequently or to gather less often? I just can't see how that works for anybody. And my desire, my heart, is I want people safe. 
I want people healed. I want people financially blessed. Marriages to work. Kids are obedient. I, I want joy and peace in the home. And when I see all that is God's will, all that is God's plan, and the Lord said, I'm going to get everybody together in my name. And when they do get together in my name, I will be in their midst. So some say, wait, 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 wait. No, the Lord said he would never leave me or forsake me. He's with me on the lake. He's with me on the mountain and in the valley. He's with me wherever I go. So which one of those is true? And what we sometimes are tempted to do is to disqualify a statement by using another statement. And the, and the Lord made both statements. Yes, he's with a person individually, wherever they go, of course. But then what did he mean when you get together in my name, when two or three, or this is Matthew 18, when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. What does that mean? It obviously doesn't mean the same thing as I will never leave you or forsake you. We don't knock one out with the other. We say, oh, what I see. You must be with us different. You must be with us greater. There is some greater move of God, manifestation of the Lord. And if you read that scripture, he said, whatever you agree when you ask, touching anything, it'll be done. Maybe that's part of the deal. There's something about us together when we pray. Oh, great things happen. Is it true that when you pray, something happens? Yeah, but when we pray, more. When we get together, there's something powerful about that. And the Lord said, that's what I'm building. Because I know when I'm in you and you're in me and I'm in that other person and they're in me and you guys get together... We can blow this thing wide open. So the, t- the temptation of the enemy is to slow that down or plant thoughts, say, ah, unnecessary. Just be spiritual. You don't need church. Just be spiritual. Just do this. Where's that coming from? What verse? What verse is that that tells us, that makes us think that way? I tell you, it's a strategy to make us more ineffective. It is a strategy to get people vulnerable on the outside, but also to make the church at large less influential. Say, well, if everyone came to all the, you know, God-ordained churches in our country, they wouldn't even fit. Yeah. Say, well, we wouldn't have enough buildings. We'd have to build more. Because they... But that wouldn't be a problem, you know. Because they would, when someone honors the Lord, they get involved with what he's involved with. They come with their tithe and offerings. Remember? That's how those who put the kingdom of God first live. And they're not, they're not poorer as a result. They're richer as a result. And the kingdom of God and those who are called to lead have resources to build whatever's necessary. Why? Because this is all that matters. What? The Lord is busy building His church. The gates of hell might prevail over all kinds of stuff, but not that. 
And that's why it is such a big distraction, a big temptation to minimize what the Lord is doing. Ah, not important. You're busy. You got cows, man. You got you got that woman that you married. You got whatever you got. You got stuff. No big deal. You still love the Lord. You're still saved. That's not in question. The question is, are we involved with what Jesus is involved with? Building his church. Everybody okay? Can I give you seven things in closing? (laughs) I don't do a whole lot of lists, but I want to give you this. Why all Christians should be actively involved in the local church continually. All right? Because this, this was one of these middle of the night downloads. Number one, because it is God's plan. It's real simple. It's why should all believers be involved in a local church actively and continually? It's a priority in their life. Big time important. More important than the land, the cows, and the spouse. <laughs> why? It's God's plan. This is what He's doing. Period. Number two is the need for food. The need for food. What do you mean the need for food? How many need to eat in order to keep going? Okay. Spiritually, faith food, this is one of God's primary uh, methods of getting it to us. Yeah, you can make some things on your own, but there's some things that the Lord has designed that the fivefold ministry would prepare and prep and give, and it would come across in such a way that it would cause your faith to, to excel. It would cause your believing to soar. It would cause your spirituality to go to another level, and without it, you won't have it. It just is. It's just, it just is God's plan. Number three, number three, all should be apart because it's not all about you. So I'm fine. I'm, I love the Lord. I have a great relationship with God. Yeah, you selfish thing. The Lord called us to be a part of a family, a body. We are to minister to each other. So I'm doing well. Do you know one of the biggest reasons why I'm doing well? It's so I can help someone who's not doing well. Yeah, the Lord works in me, makes me strong so I can lift someone else up. And if we have that mentality, we're thinking like Him. We're not thinking like this carnal, natural uh, world or dead religion. We're thinking like the Lord does. Okay? And so it's not all about you. Number four is the corporate move of the Spirit. We mentioned that accidentally, you know, talking about with us one or with us when we gather. But there is a corporate move of the Spirit. Sure, God will move in your life. Sure, He'll fill you with His Spirit. You have His Spirit in you and upon you. In your, but He moves amongst us in a different way. There is a corporate anointing, not just an individual anointing. And if someone doesn't understand that, well, then they'll minimize what the Lord is doing. See, He puts His Spirit on you, and you know what? He also puts His Spirit on us. One can't separate or, or, or uh, replace the other. Okay? And then number five. Number five is every joint supplies. We are all called body parts. That's the picture in the Scripture. We are the body of Christ, and one joint supplies one to another. We're here both to give and to receive. If I'm disconnected from you, I can't give to you, and I can't receive from you. And I tell you, there's a whole bunch of things, spiritual stuff, that the Lord wants to get into you, and it's going to come through somebody else. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that the Lord wants to get through you to somebody else. All right, and number six, number six, the church is real. It's real. It might not be real to you. might not be real to someone you know, but I'm telling you, it is reality. It, it is the real deal. Amen. And what, what, what do I mean by that? Well, 
when something's real to you, it's not old to you. You know, people, people say, ah, it's like Groundhog's Day. Not if it's real to you, it's not. If, it's, if something becomes old hat, that means there's no revelation there. That means it needs to be lit up. You need a spark. You need a revival personally. Because the things of God are never old or dull or boring when they're real. And what is real in existence, what's a reality in heaven and on earth to God, is not always real to a person. And if it's not, I need to get, I need some, I need some revelation, man. I need my eyes opened so I can start enjoying this and it be exciting to me. Huh? I mean, you know, when the word, when the word is exciting to you, it works for you. If it's ever, ah, I've heard that before. Ah, I know that. Man, you're going to struggle with it. It is not going to fire. You get... Amen. Acting is my other job. It doesn't pay well. <laughs> we need to be fired up, man. Okay, it's real. And number seven goes along with that is this, is it works. Why should everyone be a part of the local church? It works. That, that means it produces results. It really, truly produces God-level results in our lives. When we're connected to something that works, life works. We work. Things flow. But if I'm disconnected from the source, I'm disconnected from what God is actively doing in the earth today, then I'm going to struggle. It's going to be more difficult. And, uh, you know, I might have a little bit of a battle with the gates of hell. Amen. Someone said, what about mature believers? Let me address this in closing. This is reality. I mean, you know, in here today, we have people all over the map. Some of you have been saved for a long time, and even what I'm teaching is not new to you. You've heard it. You've studied it. And it's frequently that way. And we have others that have never been to church. And those who are brand new, and those who are saved and spirit-filled, and those who are checking things out and saying, just looking, all over the map, right? What if all the mature believers checked out, said, you know, I'm good. I've heard this before. I don't need to hear these things again because I, I, I've been knowing this stuff for a while. What would happen to our world if all the mature believers disconnected or made it less important? Can you say everybody else is going to be in a mess? Because they need you. They, I mean, there's a, here's another point. There is the planting and there is the watering. Many have received a good seed. You still need a whole bunch of water on that, kind of like continually. So that, there's that side. There's the, there's the food side that we, that we mentioned earlier. We always need to keep eating. And so for even the mature believer, but here's where it needs to go. There's a point, most certainly, where people get saved, they receive the Spirit, they, get, they, start, they grow up in the things of God, and some of their their purpose from that point on is not about them. Say, I've known this for 10 years. Well, what about 11 years ago? Guess you didn't know it then, did you? Aren't you glad someone else stuck around to tell you? 
And they didn't say, well, I, I already know this stuff, so I'm going to be out doing my own thing. It's all about the Lord and, and me, and uh, it's just a personal thing. No, it's not just a personal thing. It is God has poured into my life so I can pour into someone else's life. I have grown in the things of the Spirit. I know the ways of God. I have faith to move mountains. And so my mountains are moved. But the Lord has called me to help someone else who doesn't know that. For you mature people, mature not age, I'm talking spiritually. Do you know that a whole lot of people don't have a clue what the authority of the believer is? They don't have a clue what being led by the Spirit is? People don't know what it means to walk in love. They don't understand the mysteries of heaven. They don't understand the ways of the Spirit. And even when I say that, some are going, I don't know that. (laughs) We need people to rally around to help bring the level up. Someone did it for me. Someone obeyed God. Someone connected to the local church. Someone taught. Someone prepared something. And I am here because of it. Man, it would be tragic. And you know, by the way, they weren't all five-fold ministers. They weren't just apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. They were believers. And they taught me. Helped me to be filled with the Spirit. Helped me to know the Lord. Helped me to learn about healing. Helped me to receive by, by myself. What if they all checked out and said, oh, you know, I'm good. I'm going to heaven. You know, everything's fine. The Lord and I, I don't need to, you know, go to church all the time and stuff. I wouldn't be here. I imagine a bunch of us wouldn't. Amen. And so I think there's, there's good reason for all of us to pour our lives into what the Lord is doing. What He is involved with in the earth today. I mean, isn't one of the marks of maturity reproduction? Well, I know all this stuff. I've grown up in the Lord. Now it's just the Lord and me. No, if you're really mature like you think you are, you're having babies. Uh Hallelujah. All right, with that word, let's pray. Father, thank you today. By your spirit, you're moving in our midst. We hope you enjoyed this message. Find our other messages on iTunes or visit our website at lcboise.com and follow us on social media, Life Church Boise. Thank you and have a blessed day.